Welcome to Optimizing, the podcast about leading Africa's digital future. I'm Professor Barry Dwalatsky. This is the first episode and introduction to season three of our podcast. In February 2020, I launched this podcast. I launched it and uh, decided to call it Optimizing, Leading Africa's Digital Future. It aims to talk about the digital economy and the digital society in South Africa and Africa. It talks about leadership in our digital economy and it talks about the future. I decided to deal with the future by looking both backward and forward. I set up the podcast as a conversation, an intergenerational conversation between those who will become those future African digital leaders and those of my generation who have led and continue to lead digital transformation in South Africa and in our region. I set up a wonderful young team to work with me on this project. Uh, one is a filmmaker, a writer and producer. His name is Evan Wigdorovitz and he is passionate about podcasts. He joined my team as our editor. He also designed our logo. Callum Cool is a musician and composer. He works on sound design for video games, animation and film. He also has a passion for podcasts. He brought his talents to bear in composing the theme music and other sound elements for the optimizing podcast. And then there's Karen Gammy. She joined me as co-presenter. She, uh, she is a philosophy graduate who now works in machine learning and AI. She's in the process of launching her own future in the digital economy. Karen represents the younger generation in our intergenerational conversation and brings her own special brand of energy and humor to our podcast. Season one of the podcast focused on some of the things I've done in my long career as a digital professional, researcher and academic teacher. In season two, we introduced the theme of passing the baton. We viewed life as a relay race in which one generation runs its race and then passes on a baton, a legacy, to the next generation. We interviewed an amazing array of fascinating digital leaders who spoke about their race and their legacy. We are now proud to be launching season three, and I'll tell you more about it at the end of this episode. Once more, I'm joined by Karen Gammy. Hi, Karen. Hi, Barry. And our guest, Yuval Genga. Hi, Yuval. Hey, Barry. Thanks for inviting me. I really, really appreciate it. Great to have you here. So, Yuval Genga is an electrical engineer. He has a master's in engineering from WITS and a PhD from WITS. He completed his PhD in 2019. He now works as a consultant in, a, in the advanced business analytics team at the company Optinum Solutions. So, Yuval, your postgraduate qualifications are from WITS, 
but where did you grow up and where did you study to do your undergrad qualifications? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I was born in Kenya, born and raised in Nairobi, actually. So yeah. um, I think I'll just start from the uh, my origins and then I'll get to the point um, how I've found myself in South Africa. So um, I grew up in a very academic home. Uh, my father was um, a professor in physics and my mother until the time of her passing was actually working on her PhD. So uh, education was something that was really highly regarded in our home and was something that was really emphasized to me at an early age. Actually, it was emphasized so much to the point that I knew that getting my BSc wasn't going to be the end of it. Like I knew at least I was going to do my MSc. That that was um, something that me and all my siblings already already knew. So going into varsity, I got in from with a very different perspective. When a lot of my classmates were thinking about like what they were going to do outside of varsity, I was trying to think of like what kind of MSc degree am I going to take? Like what what topic did I like so much? What what I didn't like, what did I want to avoid, or what did I just really want to do? What was I passionate about? And that was something that I really tried to figure out for most of my undergraduate uh, time, which was in University of Nairobi. I don't know if I mentioned it. Yes, I was a yeah. Uh, yeah, University of Nairobi graduate. Now, in my final year, I landed, I by chance landed upon um, the final year project that we do, which um, how we do it in Kenya is more of a lottery-based system. So because I didn't want to have to fight with people over projects so that I get the projects that I didn't like, I chose a project that I knew a lot of people were essentially going to avoid and was something that mm. I kind of had some interest in. So I was like, you know, let me mm. take this project. And that was an actually a really good decision, which only in hindsight I was able to see because it was a topic that was on uh, antennas and how they essentially receive and transmit data and improving the efficiency of that. That's where my passion for telecommunications actually began. Mm. I, I really enjoyed doing the research part of it. I really enjoyed just doing it. I learned more in that project that I did, I think, amongst any of the other units that I had done in my whole undergrad time. And at that point, I knew, like I always knew I was going to do my MSc, but at that point I was like, I want to do my MSc and I want to do it in telecommunications because this this is something interesting. I'd really like to continue doing research. I'd really like to continue finding out more and just continue to learn about things, you know. And um, I graduated in 2012. Um, in 2013, did my applications and I found myself at... Uh, vets and as they say the rest is history yeah hmm. well well in fact we were very pleased that you came to vets <laughs> Thank and you. you came to my school to the school of yeah. electrical and information engineering and you uh, did research in um, telecoms and without getting too technical can you tell us a bit about uh, what you did in your masters and phd research yeah so when I applied for VITS, I spoke with one of the professors. Okay, he was still a senior lecturer at the time. Um, he was, he worked with um, the coding section of telecommunications. 
and he was um, me and him as we spoke and had an exchange uh, via emails we kind of had a rapport and we saw like we essentially had the same vision so I was under him during my master's and my PhD and his research was focused a lot on the Ford error correction so Ford error correction in this the simplest way I can describe it is sending data from me to you um, without and you receiving it without error so the data like the way we're speaking right now data goes through the internet goes through a noisy channel and gets to you and it's decoded and you get it without error but doing it in a very efficient way so that was your your phd and your master's research yeah that yeah, it is was based epic most on that. I know very little about this like area that, that you've spent like so much of your time like researching, but it sounds very cool. And I think the analogy that you provided is really just like, whew, I am so glad that that kind of work has been done <laughs> so that now we can also just hear people in like crystal clear clarity. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that is really epic. I, I, yeah, I saw in your bio that you mentioned that you kind of had the opportunity to spend some time doing research in Germany. Uh, firstly, very cool country, uh, good country of choice. Um, but yeah, can you tell us a little bit about the experience, sort of like what kind of research you were doing, what your, yeah, what you were experiencing in Germany? Yeah, Germany was a very interesting experience for me. I actually enjoyed it a lot. Like um, going there, um, I applied through the, the DART program and they um, had a successful application and I was able to go there on a, on a six month short-term research grant. When I got there, the first days though were very interesting because like I told you, I was born and raised in Nairobi, which is a relatively busy city. Came mm -hmm. to Johannesburg, the same vibe, like busy mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And then I went to Ulm. Ulm is a, uh, mm. a small city in the southwestern part of Germany. Very beautiful. Like from the university where I was from, like during the summer in the clear blue sunny days, you could actually see the Alps. It was like a really beautiful city. But it was also like relatively small to what I, what I was used to. So mm. the change of pace was something that I had to adjust to, you know, mm. like the Shifting best way. Gear. Literally, the the best way I described it was when I was talking with uh, one of the friends that I made on that side was in in Johannesburg or Nairobi. No one has to tell me it's uh, Friday on a payday. Like I'll just leave the house and I'll be like, <laughs> I know, I know it's, I know it's a, I know it's a Friday, and it's a payday. In Umi, it was a bit uh, different, you know. But I was um, able to figure things out at least to the mm. best that I could at the time and um, went to the institute, institute where I was working in. I was working under uh, uh, Professor Martin Bossett, someone who's been in the industry for a while. It was really a privilege and an honor for me to work under him. And I really learned a lot from him, not just about telecommunications, but just about how research is done and how to do research in the right way. That was something that he was, that was a big thing he really pushed for. And that was something that he also, like, from the jump just told me, like, this is something that we're going to do. And that's one of the things that you're going to take away, regardless of whatever project mm -hmm. that I was going to do there. I was going to take away that uh, work ethic and that way of doing things the right way. Yeah, so working there was interesting. It was interesting. And they did really have a really good work ethic. And it was, I'd say one thing I learned about um, the Germans, at least at home anyway, is 
work time is work time and play time is play time. They don't <laughs> <laughs> they they don't mix the two. And also that was the thing because like here when I, whenever I want to take a break, I just go and talk to someone. There they're like, no, we're still working. And then like at lunchtime, <laughs> at lunchtime is when they talk and they're loud and you're like, wait, what what happened? You know, like it just it's like almost a switch. But it was still interesting to learn and it was an interesting process and also just working under Bossat, one of the things that I learned from him was even if he do all this theoretical research, he still stayed really close with industry. So his all his research was still very aligned to a more practical implementation, uh, providing actual uh, solutions for actual problems that people were experiencing. And that was one thing I was like, I won't only take away the work ethic or the ability to do things the right way. I'll take away that proponent where even if I'm going to do research, I'm not going to do just research that's highly theoretical. It also mm. has, the end goal has to be something that can be applied and used, especially uh, considering that we're in the African continent, which mm. requires a lot of solutions. But that was something that I I really liked about working under Prof. Bossart and something that I took away from him. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an incredible experience for a young researcher to get to travel anywhere in the world. Mm. And I think that uh, the the kind of things you talk about, where you um, had an opportunity both to do good research, but also to experience life in another mm. environment in another country. So you came back to WITS and your, your period at WITS, doing your master's and PhD, one of the things you did was you were um, chairman of the student chapter of the IEEE. And for those of our listeners who might not know, what is the IEEE? And uh, what did you do in your role as chairman of, of the student chapter? Yeah, so the the interesting thing about the IEEE is that um, you'll find even a lot of the engineering students don't know what the IEEE is. For them, it's this really big organization that's very that's thousands of miles away from them and mm -hmm. it, it's not very approachable and that was something when i was the chairman i was like one of my goals is to try and make it approachable so the ieee is a professional body that focuses not only in networking but in collaboration and research now for us as a committee at the uh, university of witwatersrand we wanted to emphasize that aspect of collaboration and networking to make the students understand that IEEE is is a friend of yours like it's 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 not an organization it's actually a place where you can it's a friend that can give you more friends so we wanted them to understand it or see it from that perspective so that even when they'd be working at whatever jobs they they were in they'd understand the importance of such organizations or even if it's not necessarily the IEEE and for me as well, working as the chairman of the IEEE, I wanted to help students understand the, the skills that they're taught in the classroom, how they fit in into industry. Because IEEE is, like I said, it was, it's a really, it's a big company, but it's also a really amazing company. So in the student branch, they have funding for different kinds of events. So we'd be able to organize um, little colloquiums, little meetings with traveling lecturers who would come over. And we wanted the students to be able to interact with these lectures or interact in this, all these different trips that we'd 
bit organized so that they'd they'd see that they'd see the big picture of what they're learning in classroom because like how i mentioned before most of my undergrad i was trying to figure out what i wanted to do so i wanted the students to kind of figure this out a bit early so that they can plan themselves better moving mm-hmm. forward you know so it was it was a really good experience it was a really fun experience actually i'd say one of the the things that i enjoyed the most or one of the the best things that was done under my tenure even if i'd say it was a collaborative it was a hugely collaborative effort was we were able to organize um in 2018 we were able to organize our women's day in engineering where we got students from neighboring girls schools at vets to come over at vets to just walk through the labs and see all the cool stuff that's been done in the engineering school so i helped in the planning phase but I, then i flew over flew out to germany and the team on this side did an amazing job to make sure that thing happened because it was uh it was a huge success and it was something that to this day i'm still proud of that we were able to do and at least even if we touched one or two girls it was that that was like uh, an amazing thing to do that is really yeah. epic i mean as someone who is neither an engineering student nor a vit student like it's just so important that those kind of like professional bodies are there to also just like provide that kind of like mentorship and and friendship is the way you described it that feels yeah that feels really really important and then also to be going out and doing like meaningful work with communities that you care about that is epic um yeah. cool just to kind of fast forward a little bit uh mm-hmm. in t- so in 2019 like you had a whole phd congratulations by the way that is no small feat um, <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> sure you you then went off to work and i guess this is kind of where our paths kind of cross um your your bio talks about how you have a keen interest in data science and machine learning barry mentioned earlier that like i'm now involved in machine learning and ai so i'm a data scientist at a bank um and yeah i guess without getting too into the details about it uh can you kind of give us a high level as to what sort of work you're doing now in the analytics team at uh, Optinum Solutions. Um yeah, thanks for asking that actually. So as with all my questions I'll I'll start back at the origin of it. So for me with regards to my interest in data science and machine learning, I'd say this happened during my PhD, but it happened at an advanced stage mm-hmm. in my PhD that I couldn't necessarily force it into my research, you know. Um mm. so I was always looking at it at the corner of my eye and I was always seeing all this this all this stuff that doing like there was so much that was happening at the time i remember and for me the point when i realized that uh machine learning and data science is a useful tool or is something that i wanted to really push for was the moment when i realized that it had applications and solutions for across various professions like it cuts mm-hmm. through so many different professions and i was like this can be a, a skill or a tool that can be used to provide solutions mm. um in all so many different industries if, no matter how niche or mm. even if like we're looking at and even it can be contextualized to places like for instance south africa or anywhere else in the world like you can mm. use this tool to create so many solutions for the different problems that you're facing in different fields that kind of power that essentially gives to the people or something that i wanted to be part of and that drove me to my current career path so when i applied at optinum and got the job there i remember during our introductions we had um talks from different teams and uh when the um, advanced business analytics team came and just spoke i was like yeah 
this is the team that I want to be in. This is That's I want to work with this guy. Yeah, it's like this is the one. This is the one. And I really pushed for it. And um, I was very fortunate to find myself on the team. Yeah. So in terms of the work that we do, uh, we work with uh, very uh, quite a number of clients, and I'd say. I'm on the team that works with one of the telecommunications companies. And that's mm. for obvious reasons, because mm. I, I have a background with them. But what we do there is we essentially manage a price plan, which is a price plan that's mostly leaning towards voice in a world that's um, moving to data, which is also a very interesting challenge in its own by its own right. But like what we do is we just use a lot of the data science and machine learning to kind of create dynamic price plans to keep mm. subscribers engaged with the price plan and to have a good experience with it so that they can just continue using it. So that's, in a nutshell, that's uh, what we do on our side. It was actually, Ooh. sorry, uh, sorry, I, uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I just say the time I joined the team was also a very interesting time because I joined during the lockdown. And during lockdown was a very interesting time because I'd say I was able to see data science and machine learning at its best because mm. during lockdown, subscriber behavior changed so erratic. It was so erratic. Like we had all this data that we used to do different things. But during lockdown, we're like, oh, yeah, there's this data. Let's just put it aside for now and try and mm. figure out what's happening because none of the trends were matching anymore, you know. And it was a challenge but it was something that we were able to, at least at the end of the year, we were able to like, oh yeah, we've learned our lessons and we have overcome and got into a point where we, we know what's happening now, you know? Yeah. This is so compelling. And I feel like I have a bunch of questions that are not at all yeah. related to this podcast episode. <laughs> so I will table them and probably bug you offline. Um, yeah. But that is, that is, yeah, that's epic. And I totally get what you're saying about, yeah, you know, like machine learning and, and, and AI in general is like both a way of like solving problems, but also just like a, a really good way of like learning how to think and perceive the world. And I remember you mentioned earlier that, you know, despite the research you were doing, you always wanted to do something pragmatic, like you wanted to kind of get your hands dirty. And I can also see how like the machine learning and AI space really offers one the opportunity to do that. And especially like, you know, uh, I guess, solution for like problems that are very like African specific and African centric. Yeah. Yeah. So, and um, I just wanted to say as well, and it's, I mean, I'm sure some people know, and I'm sure you know, Yuval, but uh, the, the company you're working for, Optinam, was a startup that was founded from our school, the School of Electrical, well, it was then the Department of Electrical Engineering at FITS. And uh, the founders were some of my colleagues and students at this. So it's kind of really exciting that you've still kept that that connection mm -hmm. going forward. Um, I just wanted to, to, to sort of go back a second and to, to ask about your experience at this. So, you know, we at this have a very biased view of the world. I <laughs> think we're so, such a wonderful university. <laughs> we are um, number one. <laughs> <laughs> and I know Karen from UCT also has a very biased view of the world. Yes, although I will say that BITS is excellent. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> but um, I'm just kind of, if you could just maybe re uh, um, kind of reflect a bit, as a, a BITS alumnus and t having gone out into the world, having been in Germany, 
working for a great company like Optinam. Um, in terms of your uh, VITS education, in uh, what way has it prepared you for the world you're in? So I'd say VITS, coming to VITS, and I can speak like not only from my time in Germany, I can also speak from my time at the University of Nairobi as well, my undergrad experience. So coming to VITS, once I came to VITS, like my first year, everything was still shiny and stuff because I was still new. But once I settled in, I'd say doing my postgrad was such a unique experience. And part of the reason why I say unique is because we'd study in a postgrad area. And in that postgrad area, we you just like everyone comes there, everyone talks, everyone meets, everyone interacts. And I get to just talk with people who are doing different um different research from mine, try and find out what kind of problems they were tackling and not just problems limited to research. We just talk about anything. Like it was, it was such a, there was a social experience that came from it beyond just the academic thing and just learning how to interact with different people, learning how to talk to different people, which were things that I carried over to Germany as well. Cause in Germany, I went there, like I told you, it's, it's a relatively small city in the Southwest and not others, People understand English, but they don't like to speak it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'd go maybe, because I do play basketball once in a while, I'd go and I'd play basketball. And I'd just use some of the social skills that I picked up uh, from vets and to essentially make friends. Oh, uh, a fun fact, I learned how to count to 21 because that was the first thing I learned in German, to count from 1 to 21 because I was playing <laughs> basketball there. So, <laughs> that was a, a quick thing, but there was... Uh, an element of um, socializing and critical thinking that came from just being a Vitsi and carrying it over to Optinum, which has, in many ways, how you say it, um, some of the culture from from Vitsi just because of the, the founders of the place. They try and keep it, they try and make the environment be, even if it's corporate, we try and keep it a bit academic as well, you know, and try and keep the environment in a way where we can engage with each other, even if we're in different teams. You know, even during lockdown, there we still communicate and still have that kind of social experience that's very similar to what I experienced while at FITS. And it's something that I, I don't take for granted and it's something that I really um, take moving forward. The social experience, the, the critical thinking, and the academic experience. Those are some of the, the three things that I'd say I took out um, from living fits yeah, or from well, being I'm at so, fits. I'm so glad to hear that and mm. warms my heart that we're doing something right. Uh, <laughs> I, we, 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 we're kind of coming to the end and I just want to give another chance to Karen. Uh, I, I sort of broke her flow around uh, data science and um, the work you're doing, but but if there's anything else, uh, Karen, you want to 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 sort of ask about or, or highlight in terms yeah. of your involvement in machine learning. Sure. Yeah. Also, I just want to quickly touch on yeah, Barry. Like you always say this, but like the the joy of like studying at a tertiary institution is not undergrad. It really comes from like a postgraduate level where the learning is much more social. And yeah, I guess Yuval, you mentioned the same thing. And I, my heart is kind of like breaking a little bit for all the people who I guess had to start their master's degrees or even PhDs during lockdown because I think that thing is a lot more difficult to cultivate in an online setting, which 
really, really sucks. Um, but hopefully Vitz was raining strong and still able to like help the other Vitzies connect and be great. Um, yeah. So, so maybe just to touch back on the machine learning stuff. So, um, I'm curious to know sort of what your experience has been like as someone who has moved from quite a, a research and academic intensive environment to the machine learning community where I guess it can be that definite mix between like, you know, we're actively researching and, and, and doing our own modeling and or even doing hybrid modeling. Um, but then it can also be like, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business. And so we kind of rely on plug and play solutions from, you know, various providers. And, and yeah, I guess just wondering what your experience has been like uh, within the machine learning community as someone who has been so heavily invested in, in research and academia? Yeah, so for me, I'd say um, that transition definitely didn't happen overnight. Like there was mm -hmm. essentially, there was an uphill climb and which I'm still climbing to this day. Yep. I wouldn't say that I'm at the top, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it, it, was, it was something where I'd say the lockdown experience actually helped me a lot because we had to adjust on the fly you know like mm. social behavior is changing we still have to figure out how the subscribers are engaging with the with the price plan how do we still make it enjoyable how do we still make it a win-win for the subscribers and our clients you know that was being in that fire kind of helped um quicken that process of figuring mm. how things things worked out but i'd say some of the skills obviously in research really helped a lot. And I'd also mm. say working in lockdown, I know lockdown has been a tragic experience for a lot of people, but sure. working from home for me has also helped ease in that transition. Cause I was, I was doing my postgrad from 2014 to 2019. And in postgrad, um, I don't know if Barry's time was different, but in my time, literally you make your own rules. Uh, your mm. supervisor is just like, I need something by this date whatever you do between that time you figure it out so um i was my own boss essentially i'd, I'd do my research at my times and i'd try and get the things done by the time that was required going into a corporate space it's a lot different you have a manager mm -hmm. you have um all these kpis you have to meet mm -hmm. and for me making that transition on top of just the machine learning stuff was something that i was uh was another hill I was climbing at so to speak and then lockdown happened mm. where we had to work from home and I was like oh I know this this is what I've been doing for the past five years you know I uh, I don't necessarily work on the eight to five I can plan my day based on the deliverables that I need to do get uh, the job done that needs to get be done and have time to do any additional research or any additional reading that I need mm. to do to just ramp myself up on what's required. So I'd say the skills that I learned while being a postgraduate student really helped transition me into the lockdown period, the working from home experience, because until today, I'd say I still use those skills, you know, mm. and that's that's something that I'd say yeah, I'm grateful for as well. Mm. Yeah, it's very, um, and I'm I'm pleased to hear that because, you know, one wonders about um, the kind of positives and negatives about lockdown. Mm. Um, so, um, I firstly just want to say uh, a big thank you to to um, to you, Yovel, for kind of sharing with us. 
And I would uh, like to spend the last few minutes of this episode speaking about our future plans. So uh, when we, um, uh, when I first introduced uh, this, I uh, said I would talk at the end about our plans for season three. And um, some listeners might know that uh, this university, my and uh, Yuval's alma mater, is, and it's the place I've spent most of my adult life. Next year, 2022, we'll be turning 100. We celebrate the Witz centenary. And in order to help to celebrate this important milestone at Witz, we're going to be using Season 3 to focus on Witz and focus on some of its amazing alumni and faculty who engaged in the digital economy, both locally and internationally. In each episode, we'll bring interviews with one of these people, and I've lined up some really amazing people that have come through this and we'll be interviewing. Uh, we will again structure these as conversations around passing the baton, that uh, metaphor that we used in season two. The big change in uh, season three is that I'll be joined by a new co-host. And this co-host is one of its cohort of up-and-coming future digital leaders. In fact, my co-host is the person you've just met, Yuval Genga. So welcome aboard, Yuval. You will be helping me in the next episode. Should I have a drum roll? Yes. And, <laughs> and I just have to um, say that uh, Karen's going to be taking a break from our podcast team because she's going to be setting off on her own exciting adventures, but she will be back. Yes. And in the meantime, uh, we we I just want to wish you lots of luck, uh, Karen, Thank on your you. journey that you're starting, and please keep in touch, and we look forward mm -hmm. to having you back on the podcast. So our new host from uh, the next episode, the first real episode of our podcast, will be uh, Yuval Genga, and we soon will be putting out a list of who we're going to be speaking to, and I can promise you it will be as riveting and as exciting as our previous episodes. So thank you very much. Uh, uh, firstly, a last word from you, Karen, before we wave goodbye. So firstly, I am very excited to be listening to, to season three. I can't wait for the first official episode to drop. Yuval, it's been such a pleasure of like meeting you virtually, uh, which is, I guess, how we meet all people nowadays. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been a pleasure interviewing you and, and learning a bit about you. And I look forward to kind of hearing the, the future episodes that you're on and also just looking forward to seeing like how your career develops. And I'm sure that our paths will cross as as fellow AI practitioners. And then, yeah, Barry, thank you so much for two excellent seasons. I can't wait to be an avid listener on this season and then to join you again in a later, uh, a later season. So yeah, thank you so thank much. You. Yeah. Can so. I please say something as well? Yes, um, please. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I'd also like to thank Karen as well. Like I've been also a fan of the podcast and I have had, um, your interaction and interactions with some of some really huge heavy hitters in the industry and i just say right now i can't wait until i get to listen to you again um on future podcasts as well so thank you so much for 
what you've done and i really wish you the best on this wonderful adventures that you're going on right now thank you thank you thank you and uh, we look forward to uh, welcoming welcoming our listeners in the next episode and we'll let everyone know when it will be launching and uh, who our guests will be so thank you and bye-bye Optimizing is produced by Barry Dwalatsky. Our team is Barry Dwalatsky, Karen Gammy, Evan Wick-Dorowitz, Callum Cool, and Yuval Genger. The companion website is www.thegrandgeeks.africa.